One day, we all woke up. We knew our names, we knew each other's faces, but we didn't know our history. Humanity had fanned out across the stars, and nobody could remember when. We knew one thing though, where we came from. Looking at our maps, the known universe was a ring, and in the centre of that ring, there was nothing. Consulting the spirits, speaking with our familiars, attempting to divine more knowledge, it all came up empty. We had come from somewhere, deep in the blackness, and it was no longer there. We lived on the outskirts for a while and had started to build new homes and lives for ourselves when it started to spread. People kept waking up and missing pieces of their history. We eventually figured out that the unknown was expanding, swallowing up settlements that were too close to it and erasing them. Humanity did the only thing it could do in the face of an unknowable threat. We ran. We continued to venture further and further into the universe, never stopping for too long. Humanity lives its life on the run. Welcome to Pace. Welcome to the very first session of Pace. I am Ruben, I'll be your game master here, taking us through the world, and let's introduce our players. Uh, hello, my name is Elliot. Uh, I'm playing Jackson Daniels. He's like, you know that person who tries really hard to look like they're cool? I, I know someone like that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, like he's wearing like a big grey trench coat. He looks like a guy who's cosplaying as, like, Doctor Who. That's the real fantasy of games like this, is you can make characters that are completely different to you and, and not <laughs> at all similar. <laughs> um, all right, cool. Jackson Daniels. Uh, Kip, do you want to introduce yourself and yourselves, I guess? Yeah, so I'm Kipos. Um, I guested on one of the episodes of Pale Reflections a while back, um, and I'm just a community member. Uh, and I am playing uh, Lily Van, uh, Valdo, who is a priestess of Athena. And um, yeah, is very focused on uh, gathering information and knowledge and all that kind of cool stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, a new voice to the Doof Media Network, Linus, do you want to introduce yourselves? Yep. Uh, yeah, so my name's Linus. I've never done any podcasting before, um, but Ruben and I go way, way back. Uh, I'm playing Roman Mars, who is our not a podcaster like is in real life um but is rather a newly awoken reckless knowledge seeker i, I love how perfect roman mars is for a spacefaring character's name <laughs> it really is isn't it <laughs> yeah um so as everyone just heard from that introduction you, you we have a bit of information about the world there uh, we're not going to dive too much into the world setting now what we're going to do is just get stuck into it and have things come up as they come up but before we get into any highfalutin science fiction adventures, the first thing that's going to happen is your characters are having a weekend. It's a Saturday. Uh, your characters are just kind of doing their regular thing. You've just finished the work week. You've had a nice rest. What is everyone up to over the weekend? What would, they, what would your characters be doing over the course of a weekend? Let's set the stage for who you are. All right, I'll pick someone then. <laughs> uh, Jackson Daniels, let's start with you. What would Jackson be doing over the weekend? Uh, I mean, I, I feel like Jackson has told himself that this weekend he's going to like do a bunch of research. Uh, the, the next item he wants to add to his collection. Mm -hmm. um, but he's ultimately just sat around browsing the space internet and playing space yep. video games. 
Yep, yep. That's what they call it in this universe. Yeah, this I should so. be pointed out. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so basically sitting around at your apartment, uh, playing space video games and space internet. Yeah, and like kind of you know every now and then like guiltily looking over at the computer where he's got like a, a tab open on the research that he needs to do and and mm. just not touching it. All right, well, let's do our first roll here, Jackson. Uh, I'm going to make you do a, let's call it a wits roll. I'm going to set a target in my head that you have to uh, meet or exceed to see how well you do at fighting your inner desire to procrastinate. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, sure. So I just roll the four dice. Just roll the four dice. And add my wits to it. Yep. And I've set a number in my head that you have to beat based on how... uh, how much you're going to procrastinate. Uh, let's say, uh, let's call the number out, actually. I'm going to make this a relatively moderate check. We'll call it a plus three that you have to beat. I got a four. A four. So you actually, you've been sitting around for a while and you eventually kind of realize, look, I'm not getting anything done. Let's try and mix it up. And so you decide to go for a quick walk outside to kind of reset your brain. So you do a quick lap around the block. And just as you come back, you bump into one of your neighbors. Huh? who lives on the same floor as you, apartment kind of adjacent, uh, a guy called Mike, who you've had a few interactions with. He's kind of entering his apartment and you give him a kind of, you give him a kind of uh, uh, quick nod as you walk back into your apartment, let's say. Um, have you had much interaction with your neighbours, Jackson? I, I, you know, Jackson does the, the hellos and some small, like, you know, small talk, like, you know, oh, how's that space weather we're having? Um, mm-hmm. But... Wait, nothing substantial. Yeah, so, uh, you know, you and Michael exchange nods as you pass by each other, but you've never really seen inside his apartment or anything. Um, And so it strikes you as odd that he kind of, he does the normal nod and then seems to stop and reaches out and says, Jackson, do you want to come in for a cup of tea? Space tea? He corrects himself. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Uh, sure. Um, so Mike, Mike invites you in for a cup of tea and you, for the first time, even though you've been living near him and, and had a kind of cordial relationship with him for a number of years, maybe three years, uh, this is the first time you've actually seen inside his apartment. Um, it's, it's nice. It's honestly a, a little sterile. There's not many personal touches except for a few photos of his family um, that are dotted around. Mike is is fairly old. He's, he's about 100, which is uh, in space years, <laughs> uh, pretty, uh, he, he's getting up there in age, uh, kind of on the border between he, he probably would have retired maybe like five years ago from his job okay and uh is now kind of uh just just living the retiree life uh he he has his family over you you know you've kind of very briefly met uh his daughter and and his daughter's family a few young kids on that side um and so you see photos of them around as he welcomes you into his apartment and starts awkwardly preparing a cup of tea neither of you really familiar enough to know quite what to talk about yeah, I imagine Jackson sort of awkwardly moving around the room, like it doesn't know what to do with his hands, so he's just like touching all the pictures, like, <laughs> like picking up picking up the frames and then realizing that's weird and putting them down again. Mm. Why don't you make a rapport check for me, Jackson? That's a skill that we have. So let's oh, see how you do on your rapport. It's not a skill that I have. <laughs> well, that's going to be a one. You you notice that. Uh, Mike gives you a bit of a weird look as you are touching the photos of his family that are around on his, you know, on his table and, and on his mantle. Um, but you, you, you aren't really, you can't really read into it more than just the weird look that he's giving you. 
Um, and he prepares you a cup of tea and you have some awkward chit chat. And he, he asks about work. How is, how is your work doing? I mean, how, how is my, like, how is my work doing? Good question. Uh, it's pretty boring at the moment, actually. You you occasionally have moments of excitement, but those are quite heavily tied to the practice. And in your limited interactions with Mike, you're not actually sure if he's aware of the practice or not. Like, uh, I mean, yeah, works, you know, you know, you're grinding for the man. You, you feel me? Yeah, I, f- uh, yeah. Is that, are you, are you doing okay? Uh, I mean, yeah, you know living life it's yeah sure Mm. i know the feeling he says and you two sit and finish your tea in a contemplative silence he he initiates conversation a few more times but there's clearly a bit of awkwardness in this entire situation and so you never really breach that initial awkwardness and after about 15 minutes of weak stabs at conversation and extended moments of silently sipping tea uh he he kind of shows you out and you head back to your apartment and he he smiles at you as you're leaving and he says, this was nice, Jackson. I, mm, we should do, it was nice. Jackson stands there for a minute, awkwardly wondering if he should have invited Mike over for dinner sometime soon. And then he can't decide if it's more awkward to then go now knock on the apartment door <laughs> and do that. Um, so he decides that he'll slip a note under the door later. So he's going to remember to do that for sure. <laughs> and uh, that's how Jackson Daniels spends his weekend. Lily, how do you spend your weekend? Yeah, so Lily's uh, kind of, she works, you know, five days at the space library, um, organizing space information. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I love that that's just a part of the world now. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so um, everything's prefixed with space. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like working on her space books and stuff, making sure it's all perfectly organized. Um, and so mm-hmm. on her weekend off, she likes to basically just like clean. You know, she's a bit kind of focused on that kind of on that kind of thing. So she's generally going to spend like most of the weekend, like cleaning her house and like mm. reorganizing her things if she's not quite happy about where they are. Yeah, so kind of cleaning, tidying, maybe a bit of like administrative stuff. Yeah, yeah. What do you, is it a, a silent cleaning? Do, does uh, Lily put in maybe a podcast or some music or turn on the radio? I feel like Lily like has some like real old timey songs that she likes to, you know, put on. Um, mm. Because obviously, you know, the past is a long time ago. Um, and so in <laughs> in her mind, she's actually not quite sure like, the distinction about where like the worship of her God ended in history. Mm. So like old, old, old music to her could well have been the songs they sung, you know, in praise of Athena. Right. So it's a way for her to kind of almost commune with Athena in a more casual way and get into that mindset, I guess, of, of ancient servitude, I suppose. Yeah, so she's like listening to uh, Toxic by Britney Spears. Yeah. <laughs> Old school music. Yeah, wow. Yeah, exactly. From long, long ago. <laughs> four times. Um, I, I guess it's worth touching on Lily's relationship to Athena a bit. Uh, how frequently would you say that you do things like uh, do any kind of uh, servitude or praise of Athena or, or uh, what do they call it? Like a, a, a ritual offering to Athena, anything like that? Is that a regular part of Lily's life? 
I feel like she tries to live her life like in line with the goals of Athena. So mm. like even like the organization and like the cleaning and stuff, it's trying to make it so that her place, like her house itself is like organized and neat and tidy and just well set up um, in that kind of way that Athena, that she reckons Athena would probably like. But then like mm. the bigger, the bigger like offerings is probably a lot less often. Right, so it's a constant servitude to Athena through the way that Lily lives her life. Yeah, exactly, yes. Perfect. So Lily spends the weekend tidying up, uh, putting, making sure everything is right in the exact place that it needs to be. And as, as you round around, you know, midday on Sunday and, and everything's approaching completion, you start to get this sense of, I guess you would call it contentedness, right? That you sometimes get when you feel like you've... You've put all your things where they need to be. And it's not quite a divine sensation, but it's it's bordering on a, a really happy contentedness that has a tinge of this satisfaction coming down from Athena that you are living your life in a way that she approves and encourages. Um, and that kind of reassures you that you're on the right path. Hell yeah. Um, okay, Roman. How does Roman Mars spend his weekend? So I feel like... With the recent research I've been helping Lily with into Athena, I've been kind of concerned about how it's like adjacentness to the unknown could be affecting all the other things I have information on in terms of like my hard drives and stuff. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I spent the entire weekend like kind of segmenting all the knowledge on my hard drives and stuff so that there was a clear distinction between the research that I'm doing helping Lily with, which I kind of see as risky in so far as how close it is to the unknown and how things could like leak out and more things could become unknown and like right. personal stuff that I have. So compartmentalizing the information that you have. Yeah. One of those weekends where you like spend the entire time at the computer and you did a lot, but to a normal person, it looks like you did nothing. Mm. <laughs> um, okay. So you spend the weekend kind of compartmentalizing pieces of information. And as you are a you know, a collector of information, you find that you've actually also just picked up a lot of, I guess, information detritus, right? Um, things like news articles that you thought might be relevant to some research that you're doing that, you know, three months later with hindsight, you can look back and see, no, this was just some random news article that has nothing to do with anything. <laughs> you know, you took a, um, you had an article from two months ago where the East Triumph Jets beat the D67s in the uh, Nuna Ball semis, uh, and you were kind of thinking, well, that's a bit of an upset. No one expected that. Is that potentially something? Are they, you know, uh, is something going on here with like potentially magical interference? But about three months later, you realize it was just a kind of the sports team did well, nothing too crazy about it that you can tell. So you take that one and just kind of dump it in the trash as you're moving around this information. <laughs> um, you alternate between uh, tidying up all this information that you have and keeping an eye on the news. You, you catch the end of an article about dock workers, uh, the dock workers union who are currently on a strike. The strike is carrying into its fourth day um, and is constantly being delayed. And this is causing shipments of ice across the entirety of, uh, of uh, outreach to be delayed. Nothing much of interest there. You kind of just drag it off and, and put it in the... Um, it's not quite a trash can. You're a little bit more cautious than that. You take your information and you have it into a two-tiered system. Delete. There. 
kind of. Exactly. A soft delete where you'll kind of check it up later or maybe if something, you know, twigs for you in a week, it'll still be accessible before you fully delete it on a day like today. And to clarify, did you say ice isn't getting delivered? Ice. Ice shipments, yes, uh, which is the main way that water is delivered between areas of the outreach. It's frozen ice that is shipped around and then kind of thawed out and drunk or used for various things, farming, uh, drinking, bathing, etc. Okay, space ice. Space ice, sorry, yes. It, it, it clarifies. It says ice asterisk in the news article, and then you go down to the asterisk, and it says, obviously, space ice is what we meant there. And, in fact, the news article says, in fact, you can probably just assume we mean space ice whenever we refer to ice or any other type of thing. We probably mean the space version of that thing. Well, I was wondering whether, like, illicit drugs have become commonplace. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> no. like ice universe. as in frozen water, not, not like a drug. And yes. I was like, that's a really interesting to, thing to slip into this universe. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, thinking of drugs, your mind turns to another news article that you learned. And uh, as Roman, you're, 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 you like finding connections like this. You realize that almost like a drug, the new Greylink 7, the new kind of smart device that everyone has, uh, is is going ahead. Uh, the launch is next Tuesday. Greytech is releasing the Greylink 7, and everyone's kind of excited to get the new features, especially the new fitness suite, which is, comes pre-installed on the Greylink. Um, you look down a little sadly at your company-issued Greylink 4, now woefully out of date, um, and wish that you had enough money to purchase the newest model, but you probably don't, and you also don't think you'll be able to stand in line for as long as it takes to get them on launch week. Um, does... Uh, does Roman do anything else over the course of his uh, information tidy up weekend? No, I would say he would think about cleaning his apartment, but not do it. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> uh, and that's how you all spend your weekends. Fairly, um, well, uh, <laughs> at least for Lily and Roman, fairly administrative. Uh, Jackson sets out to do some administrative kind of miscellaneous things, but ultimately falls a bit short in the end. <laughs> Um, and that's the end of the weekend. It's uh, now a Monday morning. You all wake up and you head off to the Outreach Net where you work. For a brief explanation for our audience, the Outreach Net is responsible for kind of taking a look at and investigating things that are about to fall into the unknown, this period of space where things start getting forgotten. Um, the Outreach Net is responsible for making sure that essentially nothing of too much value is lost. So you guys are kind of a mix between janitors, small cops, and security guards uh, going around just checking up on things as the unknown is scheduled to overtake them. Um, and so you get into work. Uh, you are welcomed by uh, one of the little AI uh, units that operates at uh, the, your branch of the outreach net. It kind of welcomes you in. Welcome, Jackson Daniels. Welcome, Roman Mars. Welcome, Lily Baldo. Please report to room 2A for work assignments, um, which is a regular... The, the work week for you guys begins with reporting to room 2A every week to get your assignments for the week, uh, what things you need to investigate and make sure they don't fall in. You all kind of say hey to each other as you arrive. Wait, and I, wait I, I want to make sure I say hey to the robot too. I'm friendly mm -hmm. to the robots. I want that established. <laughs> okay. Um, so let's make a uh, connections check, shall we? And we can see how much you've connected with this robot over your time with it. Jeez, you just love picking skills I don't have, don't you? <laughs> I'm just picking them based on what you say, Jackson. Oh, that's a flat zero. Flat zero. Uh, so you know almost nothing about this robot. You know that it's been here working at this, uh, working here for a long time, but it doesn't seem to have any like high level of personality or sentience. So you don't really interact with it that much. 
Um, I still think Jackson's feeling emboldened by that one interaction he had over the weekend. (laughs) Like he's still riding that high, so you know, thanks for thanks for the heads up. You are welcome, Jackson Daniels. Have a nice day. Another another win. Okay, so uh, I, I think L- Lily would like pat it on the head slightly as she goes past and, and say, thank you, young robot. Your work uh, favors Athena. You see like a, you know, a, a kind of spinning wheel in its eyes as it processes what you've just said <laughs> and then says, thank you. Um, let me describe this robot for you a bit more. It's basically a square, a, a cube, I should say. It's three dimensional uh, or a space cube, you might call it. Um, probably about you know, 60 centimetres cube. Uh, it's not huge. It m- more or less just hovers in place. And on this cube, it has a little kind of LED display of a face. And as text comes up, sometimes it will display translations on itself as well. Uh, but it's this little hovering cube that welcomes you in and, and does a, a, a brief biometric scan as you enter the office. Um, so you all head to, I'm assuming you head straight to room 2A for your assignments for the week. Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. yeah I think we've said... All we need two to cubby. <laughs> to to, who? <laughs> to, Sorry? to cubby. That's obviously what, what the QB robot needs to be called. Um, the robot has a name that you have never thought to ask because it is just a robot, Jackson, and you you know, oh. you don't necessarily see it as anything more. Um, it's oh, a, wait, no, okay, a, wait, hold on, hold on. Yeah, well, that's fine. Okay, uh, you know, see you cubby. He's just gonna he's just gonna use the name that he's been calling it in his head this whole time. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Again, you see its eyes kind of turn into little spinning loading wheels for a moment and then it says Thank you. Surely it has like an identification number on the side. Uh it not on not printed okay. onto it. It's it's basically six uh screens formed into a cube. You're you're not sure. Maybe inside there's like a, a printed or you know, welded identification <laughs> number. Um, you'll head to room 2A and you are greeted by your boss, Delaney Garland, who is the chief of uh, this precinct of the Outreach Net. Um, you, you don't really interact with her that much outside of these one weekly meetings and things like performance reviews, uh, but she seems nice enough. You've, you've all had relatively positive experiences with her. And she uh, calls up each group of uh, three to four uh, Outreach Net members like yourself, the cells that you guys usually work in, um, and hands you your assignments, and you see, you know, uh, Peterson and, and Hodgson and and Lincoln go up and get their assignments, and then you guys are called up. Uh, Daniels, Mars, and Valdo, and you guys head up and are given a Manila folder uh, with a number of kind of sheets of paper inside with coordinates and a brief description of what was last found at this location when it, and when it was last kind of scouted out, as well as the date uh, that it is expected to fall into the unknown. Um, so with that in mind, you know that it's your job to go to these places, make sure that there's nothing too important that is left there. Uh, if there is, send a report back or deal with it ac- accordingly, take samples, whatever you need to do. And that's your job. It's, uh, it's It grinds you down. It's pretty mundane. You have about uh, eight or nine locations, asteroids, different places that are scheduled to fall into uh, the unknown in the next two to three weeks. And so you head off to your... Uh, to your uh, outreach-issued ship to head to them and check them out. Before you guys leave, is there anything that you want to do? I just want to clarify. These bits of paper they give us, because it's space paper, the corners are cut off, yes. right? <laughs> yeah, and it's like, yeah, rounded edges and, and okay. stuff like Whenever that. you print uh, uh, on paper that has rounded edges, you've got to pay uh, 
you know, a bit of patent money to Space Apple because they patented <laughs> Randy Corner. So, oh, the the company that manufactures the Greylink Seven is called Greytech, and they also have a lot of patents of things like this, like uh, rounded edges, beveled edges, etc. Uh, I have questions about our ship, but I, I assume those will come mm-hmm. up in a sec. Sure. Uh, you guys head down to the dock, and you see your you ship. Describe the ship for us. Sure. As I discussed, Greytech, the organization, has patented a lot of things like beveled edges, rounded corners, things like that. And in a cost-cutting measure, your ship has none of them. <laughs> so it's very boxy, very uh, not sleek by any stretch of the imagination. It's not large. It probably could fit about six or so people. It's got a, a small-ish cargo hold for things like samples that you need to take. There's a, a small kind of not a lab, but a place that has a lot of storage for things like soil samples and, and where you can store seeds in a way that will, you know, preserve them for the journey back to, uh, you know, back to Canos where you all live and work. Anything anything more specific that you'd like to know about your ship? Uh, no, but I, so I guess like out of character, um, I, I would like to pitch to the other two that at least when we were naming this, uh, Jackson's candidate was the Borg Cube for... <laughs> for the name of this thing <laughs> so you're specifying that that doesn't have to be the name you just want us to be aware that you pitched <laughs> that at some point yeah it's up to it's up to you both how much you fought against that and i'll understand either way <laughs> but I, wait that i've just established you but that's the name that jackson would have gone for okay i like the idea of us calling it not the borg cube <laughs> <laughs> So ship designation NTBC for short. <laughs> uh, your pile in. Um, who is your pilot of the three of you? Who is best equipped to be able to fly NTBC? It's got to be Roman, right? No offense, Kipos slash Lily, but yeah, I think I've, it's got to be Roman. Yeah, I've got a great in technology, which I hope is ships. yes your ability to maneuver the ship uh, will come under technology okay so you guys head out um you're given your assignments for the week because of these eight places that you need to visit uh you'll be spending the next week aboard the ship with each other and so you guys have formed quite a nice connection with each other um the the quarters are relatively cramped the amenities are not very high and so you've um formed a a more close relationship than you might traditionally think with your colleagues because you do spend so much time around them during the week. So you have a a list of about eight coordinates and it's fairly rote checking them off as you go. Um, You head to the first two or three and there's absolutely nothing there, just soil samples to be collected. At the fourth set of coordinates, you note, uh, Lily, as you're looking over this assignment, you note that it's actually, uh, it's 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 a chunk of, you know, some originally some kind of planet that has long since broken apart. And on this chunk, uh, there are still growing, actually, a number of trees that have allowed it to maintain somewhat of an atmosphere, although a very small one. Um, and so you realize that as you're approaching this planet, there'll be trees, there'll be a, almost a dense forest that you can land in and explore. Um, it's all already been more or less catalogued, so there's nothing too crazy that you expect to be there until you start to arrive and you realize... The ship, the NTBC, starts receiving a distress beacon originating from somewhere inside this forest hunk of space debris. Hmm, okay. So wait, there's a signal coming from this small planet, did you say? Or Yes, it's a distress signal. Distress signal, okay. And yes. does it have any other information, like in terms of how long it's been playing for, how far away it is, anything like that? Not that you can tell, unfortunately. Uh, you have a point of 
origin for it. It's somewhere in this dense forest that appears as you start getting closer to the planet. Okay. Um, I just want to specify that, like, as it starts, like, it, there's, like, a beeping in the helm or something, and I assume there's many big manual clicky switches that I start clicking it in reaction to this, you know? Like, <laughs> yes, click, 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 you, hear click, a, you hear a beeping start to echo through the NTBC. Distress signal located. Distress signal located. Distress signal located. So, guys, I think there's a distress signal <laughs> located on the planet. Hold on, I'm just finishing up my instant noodles. <laughs> Be there in a minute. Wait, are we entering atmosphere yet? Is the ship not like shaking around? Uh, your ship is. You're not. You're not like zooming through. You're kind of coasting through into this uh, soft atmosphere that you find. You actually locate the distress signal on the surface of this um, planetoid, uh, but you realize that it's surrounded by such dense uh, forestry that you probably won't be able to land right near it. But you spot a clearing a little bit away, maybe about ten minutes walk away. It, where you can put down the ship and walk to wherever this distress signal has come from. Awesome. Well, I guess I'll do that. Okay. Obviously, we do like a repeating pattern while Jackson finishes off his noodles because I don't want turbulence <laughs> to affect that. Yep. Yeah, of course. Thank you. Thank you. He scoffs them down. Why don't we make a technology check to see how well you're able to pull off this uh, landing, shall we? Uh, it probably won't be too hard of one because it's a fairly straightforward landing. Okay, I got a four. Okay, yeah, yeah. well, easy peasy. You land the ship fairly effectively. Not a drop of instant noodles is spilled. Slap, slap, slap. The ship, the ship touches down, and automatic sensors detect that the atmosphere outside is actually breathable to you guys. So you don't necessarily need to bring your spacesuits if you don't want to. I'll let you decide if you want to or not. They might encumber you slightly, but not too badly. Now, when you say space suits, <laughs> I was going to bring that up too. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, what? Well, are these astronaut space oh, suits sorry. or are these cool suits in space? <laughs> no, they, they are not space tuxedos, if that's what you're asking. Oh, They're uh, more shame. akin to astronaut space suits. It, you can choose to bring them if you want. You will suffer a bit of an impediment to the things that you try to carry out. The atmosphere outside is breathable, though, so you won't necessarily need them. Uh, I, I have a practical question. Um, I know <laughs> that at this point in the show, we've not really established what it is that Jackson does. Yes. Um, so in keeping with the vagueness of that, what sort of utility belt application do these spacesuits uh, have? So they're in no way magical. Uh, you guys yeah. have kind of enhanced them with a bit of additional durability and stuff over the course of your working with them. Just as you have idle time, you've poured power into them to reinforce their essential purpose, which is provide you with oxygen, make sure that, you know, there's nothing too radical that is able to uh, pierce uh, through. So they're fairly good at defensive uh, stuff. Uh, they won't protect from radiation or any really intense temperatures, but they'll protect you from the, the uh, basics that you might run into just kind of being out in space for a short period of time. Let's say maybe, Th up to 30 minutes you should be able to be fine i'm gonna follow the lead of the others on this one because i feel like there's pros and cons to wearing this for me yeah i agree with pros and cons hmm. i have no preference i feel like i i think in in the uh in the pursuit of um swiftly gaining knowledge although athena is the goddess of wisdom and it's probably not wise to not take the suits <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think Lily is going to suggest we, we don the suits just in case. And then, you know, we can see how we go afterwards if we need to take them off. Yeah, okay. So you all uh, put your suits on, equip your uh, 
issued Greylink 4s with their extra wide uh, wristbands so they can fit around the wrist of the spacesuit. And you start heading out, uh, walking towards presumably the location of this uh, signal. Can I say that at some point, as a practical joke, I've sharpied on what looks like a suit onto Jackson's spacesuit? <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> so it's a spacesuit that also has like a tie and like yeah. a suit jacket drawn onto it. Yeah. Yeah. Great. I, yeah, Jackson actually really likes this. <laughs> started as a joke but jackson has uh in his spare time sometimes shorted up with a sharpie when things get smudged or starts to wipe off okay so you walk towards this uh location of the uh, sos signal and uh, as you start to near it you notice there is some light bits of smoke kind of wafting up amongst uh, above the tree line that you have started to notice uh, Jackson would like to whip out his uh, life signs detector uh, <laughs> in order to try and scan. I, wait, I, I'm assuming we're quite close to the wreckage? Uh, yes, you're probably about two minutes away. Uh, I might wait till we're closer, like, you know, till we're literally, like, you know, 20 meters away from it. Okay. You guys walk up to it and you can see through the trees what it is now. Uh, it's a ship. A ship has crashed here, obviously, based on this SOS signal. Um, Weirdly, there's a few things that are strange about it. So the ship has crashed. You don't see... Well, actually, why don't we see what you see through a... Let's call it... Wits. Why doesn't everyone make a wits check for me? And we'll see how we all do. Okay. <laughs> Unless anyone has anything specific they want to look for, we'll just do a general wits check to see what we see. I got a three. That's a zero for me. I also got a three. I'd like to specifically look for any, like, technology I haven't seen before. Okay. Uh, Lily. Oh, sorry, that was a zero, unfortunately. A zero. Okay, nice. So Lily doesn't see anything out of the ordinary about this ship. Uh, but the rest of you notice a few strange things. Um, firstly, uh, you know, this ship can't have been here for too long because based on the information in your uh, sheet that you got about this place to check out, it wasn't reported and that it was initially checked out most recently, probably about two months ago, something like that. So it's crashed here in the past two months. Um, the ship hasn't fallen apart much, so you can't really tell if it's been here a long time or not. But something that you do notice strangely is um, there's no damage to the surrounding trees that you'd expect for this ship to have crashed here. And you also see that there's a uh, the front of the ship, which has a kind of glass-domed uh, front, has broken and a tree has started growing through it in a manner that suggests it's been here much longer than it should be possible for it to have been here. Um, you guys haven't gone in yet. You notice that there's a door that is open, uh, kind of fo- uh, an emergency door that has fallen open. And there's also this broken uh, front window that you could climb in through if you wanted to. But I'll, I'll let you check your life science detector first, Jackson, if you'd like. Yes, please. Uh, you don't see any signs of life. You you take a look at this, it, almost like a, a submarine sonar thing that you that you keep with you, yeah. and it, it sends off these little pings every so often, and you see three dots appear right on top of you, and you almost freak out for a moment before realising that it's just referring to the three of you. That happens <laughs> um, a lot. It happens a fair <laughs> amount to you, yeah. Jackson, yes. Um, uh, but as the kind of wave of, of I'm going to call it sonar, even though it's that's not what it is, it's communing with spirits to measure kind of um, ambient thoughts around you. Uh, as these waves kind of spread out, you don't see anything else other than the three of you 
in the immediate vicinity. The range is probably about, I'd say, maybe 100 metres around you, which is enough to cover the entirety of, of the ship and you don't see anything inside. Okay, well, it, it looks like we're safe to go in. There's, there's nothing around here. And you said there's smoke coming out of it? Yes. Is like something external or where's the actual smoke coming from? Uh, so the smoke, there's there's a kind of exhaust uh, hatch maybe at, at the top and there's some, not a lot, but just a soft little bit of smoke still pouring out. Okay. Um, I think Lily would like to consult her uh, like space encyclopedia on, okay. her, on her space uh, phone. Cool. Um, uh, what are you trying to find? So um, you mentioned that this place had been like checked out and like people had, you know, done st- yes. some studies on the trees and stuff. I'm wondering if they grow like abnormally fast and therefore it uh, only has been here two months. <laughs> based on what you, uh, based on the previous reports, there was nothing strange about this place. Okay. But there was a forest. Two months ago? Uh, yes, that, that was here. That's That's been here ever since it was first found. But um, there was, I mean, they took samples of some of the trees and soil and stuff, and, and it was all stuff that had been seen before. So there was nothing that was really deemed worth saving, which is why you guys have just kind of been sent here to check that everything's still the same and make sure that nothing has changed too much. Can I, like, kick the ship to make sure it's not a hologram? <laughs> yep. Uh, why don't you roll a brawn check for me, <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> Oh, I got a plus two plus my brawn. Oh, which is only okay. one. Okay, so I got three. Perfect. So you give it a, a resounding kick with the the boots of your um, space space suit, uh, and a, 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 a clang reverberates throughout this little uh, area. It's almost certainly you think not a hologram, okay. or if it is, it's a good one. I look back at Lily and Jackson and like shrug. <laughs> So I guess there's two entrances, is that right? There's the emergency exit door, which has come at, been, been removed and now is lying open. And there's also, I wouldn't call it an entrance, but the broken front window uh, that you could potentially climb through. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'll, uh, Jackson's going to head for the uh, emergency escape entrance, I guess. Do, okay. our, do our spacesuits have, like, flashlights on them? <laughs> yep. Yeah, cool. your, uh, your Grey Links have a built-in flashlight. Uh, that was introduced in the second Green Link, so even your cheap versions are <laughs> advanced enough for that. Okay, so you guys turn the flashlights on on your Green Links and kind of pointing your wrists forward, you start clambering into this abandoned, seemingly, ship. Um, it's not that large. It's maybe about one and a half times as big as the NTBC, uh, but once you're inside, you can start poking around, and uh, it'll be a fairly simple one. Let's make a fairly simple wits check just to see some basic things that we see. Oh, hell yeah, that's a three. That's a one. <laughs> I got a three as well. Okay, fairly simple. Um, so uh, almost immediately you guys notice uh, there are one or two bodies here, uh, dead bodies. They they haven't decayed hugely or anything, so you can tell that they have been here not a huge amount of time. Um, but they're definitely dead, Uh one of them looks like it was partway through putting on some kind of spacesuit when it was ripped apart by something. Uh, so there is at least one limb that is not connected where it's meant to be, and flesh is kind of shredded a bit off of this body. Um, the other one is even in even worse of a state to the extent that you can't discern 
uh, almost anything about who this person might have been. Um, they are almost all of their uh, identifying features have been uh, ripped away from them. So you'd say a good descriptor of the second person is like chunky salsa. Yes, <laughs> I, but but like off off salsa, right? <laughs> They've been here a while. Yes, you, I, I wouldn't recommend eating it, no, <laughs> if that's what you're asking. But if it was fresh. Sure, maybe. And so can can I do a check to work out if it, it looks like it was like an animal or like mechanical? Sure. Let's make a knowledge check, Roman. All right. This is going to be more of a difficult one than you might expect. Um, I'm going to put it at a plus three. Oh, well, I got a minus three. <laughs> Okay, so you definitely don't. Uh, you you have almost no knowledge about what possibly could have done this. I'm like, it may have been a person at some point. Um, since you brought up animals, let's let's briefly hit that to say that since we have become a spacefaring civilization, animals are not seen around as much as you might think. There are exotic pets and some exotic. There's I think one a small zoo that has animals around uh, on Canos, the city where you all live and work, but. You, there is almost no wild animals around. And in fact, in this forest, which in our outside of game time, you might expect to hear things like bird calls or things like that. You haven't heard anything of that. Um, there are no animals around and animals are not something that you encounter very frequently. I saw a documentary once about panda bears and how they could kill a man. I, I, I'm going to check my life science detector again. Okay. Um, is anyone else doing anything while... Uh, Jackson is checking his life science detector. Yeah, I, f- I feel like Lily is probably like trying to have a bit of a closer look at the bodies and doing kind of like a similar thing that Roman was trying to do of like piecing together what caused, what might have caused it, you know. Right, ja- Jackson has decided these. this is a panda bear attack. Yeah. <laughs> Lily is aiming to confirm, was this a panda bear? <laughs> uh, roll a knowledge check for me, Lily. Uh, that's a six. Wow, very good. Okay, uh, you can tell, you have a, in your pursuit of knowledge, you've actually covered, incidentally, you, you went to look in search of things like um, animal sacrifices to Athena, and this mm-hmm. led you down a bit of a personal project of finding out more about animals and, and you know, understanding the, uh, the, the animal world, the animal kingdom a little bit more. Um, you recognize claw marks, bite marks, it seems like some form of animal, or you start to notice with a little bit of fear, animals have done this. Huh. Let's cut back to Jackson, who is looking at his life science detector, and maybe you've had it out the entire time as you're searching, giving it a spare glance every minute or so just to make sure that you're still uh, together alone. You take a look at it, and you hear... And then... The beeps start getting faster and you, you this kind of flags to you and you look at it and realise that around you, in this kind of circle around you that the detector shows, uh, are a number of other dots that start appearing and moving towards the ship fairly rapidly. Oh, oh fuck, oh fuck! This episode of Pace was produced from the donations of the Doof Media community. Thanks everybody. Also thanks to our players Elliot, Kipos, and Linus. And of course, Pace is based on the Otherverse setting created by Wildbow. Support him at patreon.com forward slash Wildbow.